This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series. Joining you at 8am every single morning. Keeping you up to date with all the latest Arsenal news, views and transfer happenings in the world. I'm annoyed that didn't actually rhyme with the first two words, but it is what it is. Um, good morning everybody in the chat box. Keeping you up to date, as I say, with all the latest Arsenal transfer news um, and what's going on in the world um, of uh, Arsenal transfers, which is a crazy place to be. Good morning to Ian, to Trag, joining us in the chat box, a name that I've not come across so early before. Good morning. Uh, Kevin, good morning to you, to Defrim, uh, to Fletch, just some names that haven't popped up at the beginning of these shows, which is great to see some variation. Delts, good morning to you, Anthony, and Martin, Sean. Hope you're all doing good and well, people. Harvey, Jose, Paul, Bradley, Peter, uh, Matt G, Paul, Wilson, uh, Awayfo, Good morning, guys. Hope you're all doing good. Hope you are all enjoying uh, what is a good, good day. Uh, I'm hoping a better day than than some. Um, I'm sorry that I'm late. Uh, I was only late by like 10 seconds, G6, to be fair. And I'm glad that the microphone is is working this morning. I know we've had some audio issues, but I'm hoping that this is uh, this is working for you now, uh, which is very much strong. I've left a, uh, a a question in the chat box in the version of a poll, uh, if you would like to give a vote on that. So the question is, can Arsenal realistically sign any genuinely world-class player this summer? Um, if you think yes, then let us know who. Uh, and if you think no, let me know why you don't think we can. We'll come on to that and discuss that in a little bit more detail uh, after going through today's stories. We kick off, as always, by telling you to go and subscribe, not only to here, if you haven't done so already, but also to the Arsenal Way. We'll be live over there at 10 a.m. I'll also be doing a show with Kaya Karnak, uh, my colleague of Football.London, a little bit later on in the afternoon, around 2 o'clock as well. So make sure you join us for those shows. Um, and, uh, and make sure, if you haven't already dropped a like on today's video, to do that as well. However... We start our stories with Arsenal making their first signing official of the summer. I say first, I know that Matt Turner, of course, were expected to have already signed, but he's not been officially announced yet. So Marquinhos is actually the official number one signing of summer 2022. Um, 
he's a player that I know literally next to nothing about, other than the fact that, you know, he's 19 years of age, he's a winger, um, he's got a lot of talent about him, he scored on his senior debut, I think, uh, for Sao Paulo, um, can play on either flank, uh, skillful, quick, rapid, ex- really accelerative, um, diminutive, technical, but I don't know the fine details. Um, I'm going to endeavour to try and do a tactical breakdown at some point uh it might take me some time to get enough information but i don't want to do a half-assed one to be honest i'd rather got a really good one sorted but arsenal uh have signed marquinhos uh he will join the club the side story on this of course relates to wolves uh, as we know and uh the athletic reported yesterday that wolves are still seeking legal advice about what happened i to be honest obviously it's very difficult to come up with an opinion on this because you don't know what the facts are um, my instinct tells me that Arsenal would not have done anything silly. Like I, 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 what, any deal that would have threatened them in any way, they wouldn't have done. So if any fault lies anywhere, uh, I'd be shocked if it lies at the club. However, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but uh, I'd be surprised if Arsenal would have done anything knowing that they could have possibly done any wrongdoing. So uh, we'll wait on that one. But uh, Wolves really are the fun police, as Daz said in the chat. Taking that fun police tag to a, a completely whole new level. But if they've got a case, they've got a right to be annoyed. Um, Bert Leno is indeed more so in these talks with Fulham. However, uh, it doesn't look like Fulham is the only team interested, as we told you before, her to Berlin or another side interested in, her, in, in Bert Leno. Um, and there's a number of clubs supposedly interested, according to Leno's agent, which is good for Arsenal because hopefully Arsenal can kind of strike up a bit of a bidding war for the German international goalkeeper. Some really interesting comments from his agent yesterday. Very, very agent-like comments saying about how he is the number one at Arsenal still, even you know with respect to the competitors and all of this. Obviously, he's going to say that. Um, he's going to say he's his number one. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> he, we all know the reality of the situation. A move to Fulham probably highlights that reality. You know, if he's if he's signing for Fulham uh, as, as that kind of club, you know, Arsenal have gone down the right route of, of replacing Bernd Leno. If he was moving on to a bigger German side or a bigger Premier League side, then maybe there'd be a bigger argument. But, you know, with respect, Fulham, you know, I think signing for them does highlight the difference in gap that we've created by bringing in a player like Aaron Ramsdale, really solid indeed. I uh, didn't have the strongest end to the season, but I think we can all admit that deserved to be in one of those top three player of the season candidates. And uh, if we can get something like 10 plus million pounds for Leno with all of this interest, supposedly, hopefully that can lead on to be reinvested in the summer. Let's move on to our next story, and uh, specifically looking at possible ins. Now, a report from Italy came out yesterday saying that Arsenal had Actually, bids for Victor Ozymen. Um, I don't think this is got legs, to be honest. I don't think we have made uh, an offer to sign uh, Ozymen at the moment. Um, and I don't think that the £51 million bid that was uh, that came out has any kind of real credibility at the moment. Arsenal are pushing, as we know, very much for Jesus. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I just don't think that the uh, uh, the, the Victor Ozymen link to, to a specific bid is true. Um, what I would say is that Arsenal's interest in the player would certainly be there. That's never going to be in doubt. He's definitely on a list of, of strikers, as we know. But I just don't think that Arsenal are willing to go to the £85 million mark that Napoli are asking for. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about Ozymen in our 
post-news discussion in just a second. Um, moving forward to our penultimate story, and uh, Arsenal remain very confident that after uh, Tielemans returns from his international duties that they will wrap up a deal for Yuri Tielemans relatively speedily. Uh, I hope that that's true. I mean, I did say to you guys, I felt that, you know, the next three weeks around that mark would be crucial, especially in the Tielemans deal. I said last night on our show with Shaheen and Lev from the Arsenal Lounge that before the first preseason game, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident that Arsenal will get their priority two signings in, um, be that Jesus or another striker and Yuri Tielemans or another central midfielder. Then that's what they're obviously aiming to try and complete. So I hope that this news is coming out of Arsenal's confidence to get this deal done does indeed continue to be the case. Um, and Arsenal will get this wrapped up uh, in a, f- you know, a few weeks or so, which will be positive. Uh, and fingers crossed, it will kind of quieten down the panic that is in so many Arsenal fans. Um, now, further to this, uh, more reports regarding Gabriel Jesus have, of course, uh, dominated and spread throughout uh, the Arsenal Twitter feeds. Uh, but the report comes from a reporter called Andre Hernan. Um, who is a reporter based in Brazil, uh, got 250 or 1,000 followers, which I know means nothing, but just to kind of give you some context, fairly well-followed journalist in Brazil. Uh, he's come out and reported that uh, Arsenal is still a step forward and favourite to sign Jesus. Um, people close to the player are very careful not to leak the news about the deal, which is why no update has been made about the progress of any possible and potential contract being signed. Uh, that is also something that I think is very important for us to remember. Like just because there's no news for a few days, it doesn't mean that suddenly it's gone away or it's not happening. Arsenal try their absolute utmost to keep as much of their deals secret as they can. Information is usually leaked through agents and representatives and sometimes club sources as well when they're able or willing to to allow something to slip out. But it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. So Jesus, as we've seen there, still seemingly clear as Arsenal being the favourites to try and go for him. Um, I just hope that it's a deal that gets done because at this point, if we don't get it done, the meltdown could be on a different level to what we have previously seen. Uh, and I'm just, I'm not sure I have the energy to to cope with that kind of meltdown if it indeed does happen so uh let's uh let's wait and see what indeed does happen with jesus we'll obviously keep you updated on the channel with all of the updates with him but it was a nice update to get to know that reportedly you know that arsenal remain the favorites and the reason why we've not heard in a while is because the deal is being kept very very as possibly as quiet as it feasibly can be basically um but uh let's see if that turns out to be true and that does complete all of today's stories uh, and we'll move now on to you guys in the chat box and discuss some of the topics and questions that you've got. We've also got the poll to discuss. If you haven't already voted on today's poll, I'm going to make that quite a big focus of the second half of today's show as part of a discussion topic that I've got. So make sure that you vote on that. And when you vote, very easily, you're one click to vote, and then you just have to scroll a little bit over on your screen to that like button and click that as well. If you're new to the channel, it really also helps if you drop a press on that subscription button too. And if you'd like to help support the channel even further, you can click that join button or go to the link in the description in the link tree that will take you to our membership page. So thank you for the continued support. Let's go to your questions and that poll after this short break. Okay, then. Bear with me, by the way, guys. I've got a bit of a sore throat today, so apologies if I start going throughout <laughs> uh, for, for the second half of today's show. Um, 
So yeah, the poll uh, in the chat box. Oh, before I do the poll, there was a super chat that I do want to get to as well. I hadn't forgot about it. Jeff Krantz, thank you so much. Uh, any listeners live in NYC? I'm starting an Arsenal fan group in Harlem. Make sure you hit up Jeff Krantz. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of New York uh, Arsenal. I've been to a New York supporters club for Arsenal. Um, can't remember what part of New York. It's near Katz's Diner, wherever in New York that is. Um, but uh, yeah, some really uh, some great stuff goes on in New York for Arsenal. But uh, nothing in Harlem yet. Jeff is on it, it seems. So make sure you check it out. Um, let's let's go to that poll. As I said, the question was: Can Arsenal realistically sign any genuinely world class players this summer? Um, your your options are yes, and I said I wanted to comment who you think those world class players are, or no, and then to let us know why you don't think. Um, we we basically wouldn't be able to sign any world-class players this summer. I'll give you my kind of uh, feeling on it. My answer is it leans towards no, uh, because I just don't think that the world-class options are gettable for Arsenal. The world-class players that could be feasible are Sergei Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and Serge Gnabry. They are the two that I look at and think those players are world-class if Arsenal were to sign them, they would be significant upgrades on the positions that we've got. Um, and especially in the wide area with, with Gnabry coming into play, with Saka, that would be brilliant. Um, and Milinkovic-Savic is just levels above what we already have, even levels above Thomas Partey, in my opinion. So those players specifically, and those saying in Kunku, I mean, if you think Arsenal are going to go to 100 million euros and RB Leipzig... <laughs> ain't going to happen, guys, is not going to happen. Um, and then the other one that people talk about is Victor uh, uh, Victor Ozymen. I don't think Victor Ozymen is a world-class striker yet. You know, I don't put him in the same bracket as Kane and Lewandowski and Benzema. You know, these are world-class strikers. Um, I don't put uh, I don't put Ozymen in that tier. It's subjective, you know, at the end of the day. Um, well, the, the definition of world-class is going to be relative to what your appreciation of players is. When I think of world-class players per position, you know, if you go for strikers, as I've mentioned, you think Lewandowski, Kane, um, Benzema, um, Erling Haaland, I would put into that category. You know, if you're talking about wide players, Serge Gnabry, I think, is a genuinely world-class wide player. Uh, you think... Uh, Kylian Mbappe, of course, uh, and players at this level. You know, you're, you're starting to see Vinicius Jr. rise up into the, the potential to be a world-class. I wouldn't say he's world-class yet, but he's rising into that. Um, but I just don't think that Ozymen is of that level. I think he could be, absolutely. I think he can definitely get into the category of world-class in a couple of seasons' time, maybe, if he continues to up his goal rate and keep it consistent. But to be world-class, you have to put down consistent you know years of solid returns at a top top level to be claimed as world class and you look at Milinkovic Savic who despite playing for Lazio in Serie A just because he's been attached there you know he's put in world class seasons year upon year upon year and you see that with the output you see that with his performances Serge Gnabry has put in world class performances and output year on year and year at Bayern Munich so it's that's what for me it takes to be world class is consistent. Like you know, you're putting down those years of consistent output. You know, Mares is a good example at Manchester City. Bernardo Silva, again, another player at Manchester City that you would see as world class. Salah, Mane, you know, these are world class 
wide players. Luis Diaz has got the potential to be a world-class wide player. If he does what he did in the six months this season, next season, and possibly the season after, you're saying he's a world-class wide player. And this is the reason why I talk about this is because um, the expectation for Arsenal to close the gap with Man City and Liverpool, you know, our expectations are we want to be back there. We've got to have our high standards. We've got to try and uh, close the gap and be competing for titles again. And the only way that Arsenal are going to get there is obviously by having world-class players in their squad. But the realistic expectation that Arsenal can get world-class players is just, for my money, right now, wide of the mark. And you look at Tottenham and they've got two world-class players in Son and Kane. And the way that they got them was not signing them when they were world-class. Kane was, you know, brought through. Son was signed from Bayer Leverkusen as a potential talent. And right now, Arsenal are in the same situation. You know, Arsenal are in the same situation where if they are going to sign, if they're going to get a world-class player, they are going to have to sign someone with the potential to become world-class. That's why we've signed players in the past that you look at Martin Odegaard, a player that I think has the potential to become world-class. Gabriel at centre-back has the potential to be a world-class centre-back. Ramsdale, in my opinion, has the potential to be a world-class goalkeeper. You look at what he's done this season at the age of 23. You know, these are young guys that have the potential if they're doing what they're doing and they're improving and they do it consistently in the next two, three years, they could become world-class players in their positions. We need to look specifically at those at those types you know and that's why we're being linked to players this summer like Gabriel Jesus who I think you know is on that board you know he's got a he's got to put down a world-class season where he's putting an output of 15 Premier League goals plus you know if you're scoring 15 Premier League goals plus season upon season upon season you know then you can start having a conversation he's not done that yet you know he's on the border of that and we don't know if he would be able to do that um if if he was given that striker role full-time at Manchester City, maybe he would have done, but we don't know because he's not been given that yet. Maybe there's reasons why. And the other one is obviously Yuri Tielemans that we're linked to. Um, Yuri Tielemans is a player that I think has the potential to be world-class with the level that he's got. You know, he didn't show much of world-class last season, I didn't think, in a disappointing year. But we've seen performances and we've seen seasons from him where you think, yeah, this guy has got the potential to be that next level above the midfield that we've got. Thomas Partey, you would say, is our is the the closest, if not already, a world class player. You know the performances that he can put in. You would say he is world class um, when he puts in those consistent performances. He's not been able to do that, so unfortunately, he's not had a world class season for Arsenal yet because he's not been able to put in that kind of level of performance. But that's what I'm expecting, and that's what I think Arsenal have to target. So that's that's the problem that we have. Um, I want to get some of your reaction to this debate as well in the chat box. Uh, Kuba says, Jesus, Tielemans and Rafinha can all become world-class. Again, this is this is what Arsenal are looking to try and do. Arsenal need to sign players that have got the potential to become world-class. Perez says, all Thomas is saying is that you have to be old to be world-class. Rosman has done it for over three seasons now and should be considered that in discussion. That's not what I'm saying at all, Perez, considering the guy's 23. He's got to put in two more seasons, I think, of scoring... I mean, in, on the continent, you're probably looking at 20 plus. You know, Premier League, if you're putting in 15 plus, 16, 17 plus goals for consecutive seasons, you're looking at establishing establishing yourself as, as a world class player, but or a world class position player. You know, and if you're doing it in Serie A, who's a very high scoring league, you know, you got to be scoring upwards of 20 goals a season. 
No, Vlahovic is a player that's got the potential to be world class. Even he's not world class yet, Vlahovic. You know, he's got to be consistently putting that in. And to be honest, most of the world class players in the world are of a certain age, Perez, to be honest. Let's be real. You know, there aren't many sub 25 world class players around. You know, you look at Kylian Mbappe and you look at Erling Haaland, and they're really, you know, Frankie de Jong. Uh, is he still under 25? I'm thinking of. Don't like being wrong. Uh, he's 25. So you just look at someone like Frankie de Jong, um, Matthias de Ligt, possibly, you know, potential world-class players there. There's not many. But you go over 25 and you're starting to see the difference. You're starting to see why there's so many more players that we would consider world-class because that's their established and they've been putting it in season upon season upon season. Uh, Comdine says, Ozement is world-class, Savage is world-class and Kunku is world-class. Again, and Kunku is not yet for me world-class. He's put in a this season, he has been spectacularly good. Spectacularly good. It's a world class season, but he's not a world class player yet. You need to establish yourself to become world class. And so, if Arsenal were able to go and get a player like Nkunku, great. You know, you're getting the right type of player in for the club that you are. I don't think Arsenal are going to go to RB Leipzig and spend 100 million euros on Christopher Nkunku. I just don't see it happening because Arsenal have got so many needs throughout the whole of the squad. They can't afford to go and spend, you know, a hundred million on on a player like that. They just can't. How old is Trent? He's under twenty five. That said, I, I I struggle to look at Trent as a world class right back because I just think there's so many so many full fullbacks and flaws in his game from a defensive point of view that he just doesn't have the all round world class fullback level in him. I just don't think he has that. And I think, you know, he plays in the Liverpool team where he crosses constantly and puts in those performances and plays in that Liverpool team. And I'm not sure I'd see I'm not sure he's world-class. Robertson, Robertson, I think is different. I look at Robertson as a genuinely world-class left-back on the other side. But Trent, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, Mohamed says, no, we don't have UA for Champions League, so it will be difficult to get world-class players, but we can get few very good players. And that's the thing, is that if we go out and spend 100 million euros on Ozymen or 100 million euros on Nkunku, it's it's just, it would be senseless because we don't have the budget to go and then strengthen the rest of the team. You know, because Jesus is, is costing us half of that price. You can then go and get a top-class midfielder, a top-class wide forward. You know, we need to add a versatile fullback into the squad. I mean, a lot of us agree that we need to bring in two central midfielders this summer you know, into the squad. So, Ronald says, I think Nkunku has one year left. As far as I'm aware, RB Leipzig have said, it's 100 million or nothing. And they can do that. They can absolutely do that. Jasmine says, I digress or disagree. Trent is one of the most technically gifted players in the world, an absolute world-class star. Look, his deliveries are world-class. I'm not going to deny that. That specific aspect of his game is world-class. But to make you a world-class right-back, you've got to have it all. I'm sorry, but it's just... And it's subjective. It's me. It's my opinion. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm saying I disagree with what your viewpoint of what a world-class right-back is. For me, it, it needs it needs so much more than just what he does going forwards. He gets exposed so many times going in the other direction. So many times. You know, when Joshua Kimmich played at right-back for Bayern Munich, that was a world-class right-back. You know, he was so good at right-back, he became a midfielder. You know, Kimmich is a genuinely world, 
class player. This kid has got it all. I say kid, you know, he's in his mid to late 20s now. That was world class. Trent doesn't have that. You know, he doesn't, he's not a Philip Lahm level player. He's not a world class right back. He just isn't for me. Um, let's go to uh, John says, was Marcelo good defensively? Um, Marcelo is again quite similar in the sense that brilliant going forwards, won loads and loads of trophies with Real Madrid. Um, but I, I don't know what it was about Marcelo. I just always thought he was a bit fortunate to be in that Real Madrid team. You call me mad, but this is only watched a lot of La Liga when I was, you know, when he was really in his pomp at, at Real Madrid. But yeah, for me, it was one of those classic FIFA players or one of those like that FIFA loved. Not FIFA, the video game, but the FIFA in general, like that gave him the team of the year or Danny Alves gave them the team of the year. Danny Alves is a bit different. You know, Danny Alves is, is, levels, is a level above Marcelo as a fullback. But always, even when they were past it, got into like the team of the year. Uh, a bit of a strange one. Uh, I think they're for, you know the club that they are at affected kind of the viewpoint of their raw individual quality. Uh, <laughs> Trent's performances for England shows that he's not world class. It's another it's another aspect, I suppose, is whether you can do it on an international level as well. Maybe that comes into it for you. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, top five product says if we pay enough for Gnabry and wages, and if the project is good as projected to be, he may come. I personally don't think Gnabry is taking that step down from the Champions League to join Arsenal. I don't think he'd do that. I think the only team he would go to join is Real Madrid or maybe Liverpool. That's who I look at and go, yeah, you know, that they're, they're, they're the teams that would sign Serge Gnabry. I just don't see it. I don't think the nostalgia is enough to convince him to come to Arsenal. I just don't. Uh, Trag says, question, Tom. Do you think when players have been at a club some time... Um, they get comfortable and the form drops off. Maybe. Um, sometimes players need new challenges. That's why they leave. Um, but if you can maintain a level at a club for, I mean, you look at Steven Gerrard, obviously, or you look at Lampard before he eventually left Chelsea. You know, these are players that stayed at a club for a ridiculously long time at a world-class level and put in world-class performances season upon season upon season. Um, and they didn't need that new challenge. But sometimes it does happen. Sometimes players do get comfortable Sometimes it just doesn't work out how you thought it would. So that definitely does work in some senses, yes, but not for all players at all. Um, Luke says, one striker, one winger, one midfielder, and a fullback. Do you want to buy it with that structure? Uh, I'm looking for seven players this summer. Goalkeeper, which we've already sorted. Uh, a versatile fullback that we need to sort. Two central midfielders, two forwards. If one of them is in Ketia, it's in Ketia and a wide forward. And they all need to be of a level, you know. I don't want backups. I want competitors. I want competitors in every single position. I don't want to sign a backup versatile fullback. I don't want to sign a backup central midfielder. I don't want to sign a backup wide forward. We need to sign competitors in every single position. Uh, Hasala says, regarding the type of striker that we are after, um, do you think that we are looking at strikers that ticks the most boxes? It may explain why we would be linked to different types. No, it worries me that we're linked to so many different types of striker. Uh, we need to find the striker that fits, obviously, the way that we want to play, the way that Arteta wants the team to work and, you know, play with one another. Because if you don't sign the best fit, you know, you're going to have to change things. You are have to tweak things. and it, it takes time to adapt and change to different systems. So, I think that the reason why we're being linked to these different ones is actually maybe because there's a, I have a concern about the the striker search. I have a concern about the the availability of strikers for Arsenal this summer. But like we name striker after striker after striker, 
But the ones that are of that real top, top level, you know, they are they're not accessible financially for us. Um, but players like Jesus, who I, I rate, and I would be very, very delighted, I'd be delighted to see Jesus come to Arsenal. You know, he's of a, a price that we can reach. Uh, and he's of a style and a, a structure and a, he's got the characteristics of a forward that I think fit into what we want to do. Ian says, I do not get this too much hype about Gnabry. He's a top-level winger. I've seen him play in a high-profile matches where he was not that effective. I don't know why we need to break the bank for him because he's a he's a world-class player, mate. It's as simple as that for me. Gnabry is just of a level that is just above, you know, so, so, so many other wingers across, you know, the continent. Scored 17 goals, 10 assists last season. If we go to the season before that, um, scored, uh, we got 11 goals, 7 assists the season before. How many minutes did he play? 2000, what happened last? What happened to 2021? Must have been missing for some of it. Um, 23 goals, 14 assists in 1920. Uh, was that his second season? Yeah, and then 13 goals, nine assists. You know, and this is a wide play. You know, these are returns of a wide player. Even in the Champions League, you remember the four goals he scored against Tottenham. You know, those types of performances consistently being put in week in, week out. Buy back Alexis Sanchez. You know, Alexis Sanchez was a genuinely world-class player that we had and we bought at Arsenal. And it's and we were in the Champions League when we bought him, and that will be a difference maker. You know, being in the Champions League, it is just it just gives you that access. And that said, you know, you look at Tottenham and the players they're linked to. Um, they've signed Perisic, not world class. They're being linked to Jed Spence, not world class. They're looking at Richarlison, not world class. Even getting into the Champions League for Spurs, they're not signing. They're not targeting those world-class players. And I'm happy about that. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy if they do that business. If they sign Spence, Perisic and Richarlison this summer, I'm going to be, as an Arsenal fan, pleased with them doing that business. You know, because they could have done better and they should do better, especially with Antonio Conte as manager. They should be doing better than that. Arsenal need to be looking to get in better players than that. If, if our window was Perisic, Richarlison and Spence, and let's be real, you know, wide player, striker, versatile, well, not versatile, but fullback, all we're missing there is Spurs going for a central midfielder. And that could be potentially a window that a lot of people have asked for, for those specific positions. If that was Arsenal signing those players in those positions, uh, we'd be fuming. Now, of course, there's the context that Spurs already have a top-class striker and have a top-class winger. So they don't have the pressure to sign the players that we need because they've already got Son and Kane. But, you know, I'm, those signings don't, they don't concern me. You know, they don't, strike me as signings I'm going oh no look what they're doing I know a lot of people lost their minds about Spurs and their business but we need to try and go out for those players uh, Awonke says uh, there is no ambition to sign a world-class player from this club what does the ambition look like we I mean what do you want to see that's what I want to know is you want to see a sign a world-class player tell me who it is we should be signing and then how you think it is feasible that's the question I ask because you know, we tried to sign Vlaovic in January, a player with absolute world-class potential. And we'll probably prove that in the next few years for Juventus. We tried it. We couldn't get him. You know, we signed Thomas Partey under Mikel Arteta, a world-class central midfielder. You know, we've signed players that we've balanced out the squad last summer. We strengthened the team last summer. And what we've seen is, is we've tried to get in players that could potentially be that world-class. But who is it that we can sign? Who is it that we can show ambition to sign those world-class players this summer? Because I don't think it's a question of ambition. As Mikel Arteta said, if he can go and bring in a world-class player tomorrow, 
he would do and has said that. But it's about who is that person? Who, who is that person that we can bring in? Jasmine says, I'm glad we have a team on the up with a few players capable of being world-class in the future. Saliba, Ramsdale, Martinelli, Saka are gems. Um, it's, it's, it's that word capable, Jasmine, isn't it? It's, it's the word capable of being world-class. That's, that's what Arsenal are. We should look, we, if we can target um, world-class players, if we can target a player who is world-class, then great. If you can get him, it's a different level. But we need to be realistic. You can't be angry at Arsenal for not signing a world-class player because in reality, it's just not feasible to do it. You know, players that I think genuinely are world-class that Arsenal could maybe get is someone like Ilkay Gundogan, but then you're signing a 31-year-old. You know, you're signing a world-class player, but how how long are they going to be world-class for? How long are they going to give you world-class performances for? If he was the second central midfielder on top of Tielemans that we were getting, I'd be saying, great. You know, you've brought a player that's got the potential to be world-class in Tielemans and you've brought in a player in Gundogan who is world-class now, but probably won't be for that much longer, but might be for the amount of time it takes Tielemans to develop into that kind of level of player. So that that's the dynamic that Arsenal are looking at in regards to a, the potential to sign a world-class player. Is you can maybe sign one, but they're they're reaching the end of their time at that kind of level. Stephen says, Tom, is Lewandowski world-class or just a great, great goal scorer? He's, Lewandowski, bar Benzema this season, is still the best striker on the planet and has been the best striker on the planet for the best part of three or four seasons. You know, there's a reason why he should have won the Ballon d'Or two years ago. There's a reason why he scored as many goals as he has. Done. But there's a reason why he can control his future even though you're at Bayern Munich. Let, and still people turn their noses up at 33, 34 He's world-class and will be for a number of years to come still at that level because it's the style of striker he is. How anyone could turn their noses up at Lewandowski, uh, honestly. <laughs> really? How could anyone turn their nose up at signing Lewandowski? Different level. Uh, Kuba says, what do you think about Rafinha deal? Many people say no because Saka is already there. For me, we can learn a lot from each other. Also, Saka can play left wing. It depends how the dynamic works between the two of them, if you can fit them both in the same team. I think there are options out there that are more suited to, you know, playing on the left or that are more versatile. Um, but, you know, Rafinha would be a very, very good signing for the club in terms of the level of player that you're looking at and that kind of ambition for a player of Rafinha's quality. You know, I think it shows that there is that ambition there. So... We'll see. Uh, Lynn says, with Gnabry though, Tom, I feel that he has been de depreciated at Bayern Munich and not loved. So maybe going to Real Madrid, Liverpool, he would be surrounded by other quality and at Arsenal, Gnabry would be more appreciated. It depends. But that is the only opening for Arsenal is the nostalgia, is the appreciation, is the um, is the passion, the commitment, the, the, you know, that attachment, the link with the club. That's the only hope Arsenal had to sign Gnabry. Because if if it's on a footballing level, you know, Real Madrid and Liverpool are blowing Arsenal out of the water without a shadow of a doubt. That's the only hope Arsenal have of signing a player like of Gnabry's level right now. Um, so there you go. <laughs> uh, let's go to... Let's scroll up a little bit more. Calvin says, Hi, Tom. Gnabry is world-class. I'm not saying we'll get Gnabry, but why not make him a genuine attempt? You know... <sighs> If, if there was the idea that Arsenal could sign him, you know, I would have confidence that maybe we would, that we would go and sign someone like him. If, if he was available to go and get, if Arsenal could go and get him, maybe they will. Maybe they will. But I, I just don't see it because I just don't think he will come. I just don't think the option is there, in my opinion. I just don't think it is. 
SKCD says, would you choose Ozzyman or Jesus if they both were the same price? If you could choose Ozzyman, how much would you go for? If you could choose between Ozzyman and Jesus, um, I think that and you can get them for the same price. And if you said that price was sub 50 million, you know, Ozzyman is of a level that I think that you would say, yeah, go get him at 40, 40 to 45 million pounds. Absolutely. But 100 million for Ozzyman? No. And I wouldn't pay that for Jesus. I think I would pick Ozzyman out of the two because I want Arsenal to get an out-and-out number nine as a priority. And then I'd say, look, if you're going to spend 40 million on an out-and-out number nine, you can get Jesus as well. And he can be the wide forward that you can have as well. Now, if you said that we could get both of those players for a combined 100 million, then absolutely I'm taking it. But I just don't think that's realistic. And you well, obviously you wouldn't get Ozzyman for 100 million. So, uh, sorry, for a combined 100 million with Jesus, you wouldn't get him for that. It just wouldn't be feasible. Uh, Nagajun says, uh, when do we check on the progress of the process? Uh, I suppose we do. Firstly, the next step will be at the end of the window, you know, and the next one after that will be throughout the season and we see how we perform. Uh, let's go to G6, who says, TC, would you give City 90 million for Jesus, Zinchenko and Gundogan, which would leave 60 million for Tielemans? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, I think if you can get Jesus, I mean, Jesus is going to cost nearly 50. Gundogan is a 20 million pound player. Zinchenko is a 20 million pound player. So yeah, I would give you 90 million for those three. Uh, it gives you 60 million left to go say sign Tielemans and, and maybe a Gakpo um, or maybe another wide forward. I think, yeah, 90 million for those three upgrades all the positions that they come into. Upgrades central midfield, upgrades fullback and central midfield with Zinchenko, upgrades the striker position. So you have to say, yes, it's £90 million spent upgrading the positions in the squad. Andrea says, do you think Hickey is still realistic? I think there's interest, and I think there's interest in Zinchenko, but I don't see them as happening early on in the window. I think that position will be looked at probably later on in the window. They will see what happens with Tavares. If Tavares goes, I think they'll push harder for a fullback, but I just don't see it happening right now. Uh, Grass says, no simple answer is no Champions League, but we can sign players on the cusp of being we we world class. Uh, Richie says, what is the point expected next season? I hate looking at points expected. It's a position. It's a, you know, Arsenal's expectation next season is to qualify for the Champions League. Rich, uh, Richie, it's, it's as simple as that for me. Arsenal expectation minimum qualify for the Champions League next season. If we don't qualify for the Champions League next season, then we need to be asking questions about if we are going in the right direction, if the process is progressing um, and all of that stuff. Because if we're not, you know, if we've, we've finished in the maximum position that you could besides silverware to finish outside of the Champions League. That's what we did last season. You know, we finished in the maximum position without getting Champions League football. The next, the only way forwards is to qualify for the Champions League. The only way forwards is to qualify for the Champions League. If we don't do that, then we're not progressing. And then you have no leg to stand on regarding the support of that side of things. Because unless there's been some ridiculous factors or um, excuses to be given during the season, which would require you know mental injury problems, which we probably should have prepared for in this summer window. So even then, it's not going to be like justifiable unless you lose like all your strikers, your backup strikers and stuff like that. We should be preparing to have competition in every position you have to progress you absolutely have to progress you have to be qualifying for the champions league if that's fifth and win the europa league you know still qualify for the champions league 
You know, if we win the Europa League next season, it's progression because we've taken the next step forward to going back into the Champions League. That's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for that. Um, Freddie says, so we've basically wasted a whole year, time repeating itself in one year's time. I don't know how we, I don't know how, Freddie, you, you can say we've wasted a whole year. I really don't get that point of view. It just is absent of thought because you can clearly see what's changed in the last 365 days. You can clearly see what's gone from 2019-20 to 2021. You can clearly see the difference between the two seasons and it's an upward trajectory. It's not wasting a year. You go into next season with the expectation to go the next step, which is to qualify for the Champions League. You know, it is realistic in my mind in two summer transfer windows. So ish 250 300 million pounds worth of investment in the first team squad that they should be looking at third upwards that's that's the expect that's that's what i think is a fair expectation of arsenal is that after two summer transfer windows and 250 to 300 million pounds worth of investment if the club are genuinely serious about putting that money in consistently then we should be looking at third upwards because then you start i'm not saying i'm not expecting us to say you after two summers you will be competing with City. You will be. But you should be looking at third upwards. You know, you should be looking at Chelsea, Liverpool and City and saying, we're going to try and challenge you after two full summers of really strong recruitment. Because that would have been three in total. 2021, this year and next year's summer window. We should be looking at having across those summers that have invested enough upwards of 400 million across those three summers, near 500 million maybe, hopefully maybe living in a dreamland, but you're hopeful when you spend 150 million in one window. You should be able to do that consistently if you've got ambition to try and continue to upgrade the squad. Well, you should be in a position to do that. And then you've got the players that you've invested in 2021 and then two plus seasons older. They're two plus seasons more developed. Saka's 22, Odegaard's 25, Ben White's 25, Ramsdale's 25, Tierney's 27 into his prime. Partey's nearing 30, you know, in a real point of experience in his career. Hopefully we've got Tielemans in at 27, Jesus at 27. All of a sudden you've got players that are absolutely in their peak or very close to their peak years. I don't think it's unrealistic to have that as an expectation. Do I think that Arteta can be the man that does it? The honest answer is I don't know. And the only way I get an answer to that question is will be next season. And it will be this summer as well. A lot about this summer will tell me. That said, you know, a lot of this summer falls on Edu and the ownership to back Arteta. Because when they have backed him, you know, we've made some pretty good decisions in the market in 2021 you know prior to that question marks but even the question marks there were some successes in Partey and Gabriel so I think the way in which we're progressing yeah I hope that answered your question Freddie but I was disappointed by that comment because to say that we've wasted a year I think he's naive with respect I think it's naive um it's been three years that this argument that it's been three years again really frustrates me because the reality is it hasn't been three years factually you're wrong like factually, you are incorrect. I don't like sitting here and telling people they're wrong, but when you state facts that are wrong, there's nothing I can do to help you. It took over in December of 2019, and we are not in December of 2022. So factually, you're incorrect. It took over the club in a season where at the time we were in 11th place. Falling, sliding, going downhill, falling away from the competitors after some poor decisions in the market and in appointing Unai Emery, left it to the place where we were eighth. And then by the time Arteta took over, we were 11th. First season he comes in and I think mistakes were made. 
You know, I think he was naive in certain moments. I think some of the decisions in the 2020 summer window were certainly wrong. Willian Runnison um, were wrong. The, the Cedric and Marie decisions, arguably questionable. Um, but there were some sparks for me. You know, the FA Cup victory, the improvement in defence, the signings of Partey and Gabriel. You then fast forward after what was ultimately a disappointing season in which we can discuss the excuses of the pandemic and stuff like that. It affected all teams, but you know, for a brand new manager and brand new team, it didn't it didn't help us in the slightest. Fast forward to 2021, you look at the signings that we made, £150 million spent on six players with 23 years of age and under, got out loads of rubbish, overhauled the squad, lowered the wage bill, lowered the, uh, the age profile of the team. And despite everyone... Not everyone, that's unfair. But despite his biggest critics saying, I don't think we'll finish in the top six this year, don't think we'll do it. Instead, catapulted us towards a top four chase. And we missed out by the the smallest of margins that had we have not lost Tierney, Tomiyasu and Partey, I ultimately and passionately believe we would have got there. That we would have got that top four had we have not lost those crucial players in those positions, especially at fullback, a position that no one was suggesting we strengthened in January. So to say that it's been three years is wrong. To say that we'll be say, sitting here and saying we need to qualify for the Champions League next season is wrong. I'm sorry, but it's just not true. It's just not true. And what we're doing is now the fifth place that we finished last season is a fifth place where we're looking upwards. The fifth place that we finished in in 2018-19 was a fifth place that we were looking downwards and that we were sliding and going backwards. And to expect to go from... 11th when he took over to fourth in two seasons is unrealistic and yet it nearly was and it nearly happened it very very nearly happened and that's why I have the confidence to back this and say I'm really curious what happens going forwards really curious to see where we go because he proved me wrong last season because after Villarreal I wanted him gone as you all know watching this wanted him gone didn't want him here thought that Villarreal game, that eighth place finish, I just can't get over it. But last season and the summer in 2021, all of that, all of it changed my mind. And I thought, hold on, he's doing something that Wenger wasn't doing at the end of his career, Emery wasn't doing, and that's learning from mistakes. And, you know, there's not many managers out there that learn from mistakes. There's a lot of managers out there at the top, top level that don't really make any, which is what hopefully Arteta can become one day. I've got doubts about whether that happened at Arsenal. But, you know, we're in a position here where I think we're on the up. I think we're moving in the right direction. And last season showed me that. But to turn, I, I hate it when people just spout rubbish that it's been three years, that our recruitment's not been good enough, that we haven't improved defensively despite keeping the most clean sheets we've kept since 17, 18, four years ago. I mean, why are we just lying to ourselves? Why are we just changing the rhetoric? Let's speak about what the facts are. You know, that we didn't expect a top four race last season. We got one and we nearly got it. And had it not have been for those crucial injuries at the end of the season, we would have made it. It's just, that's the frustration for me. That's that's the issue for me. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there. Uh, sorry that we ended on quite a rah moment. <laughs> but it oh, just gets to me. And it's just lies. Really gets to me. Anyway, uh, thank you for tuning in, people. I'll be live at 10 a.m. on the Arsenal Way. Make sure you tune in and join myself, Bailey and Chris, over there for more conversations about transfers and further. Uh, I might do a phone-in show at some point. I don't think it'll be today. It might be tomorrow. Um, 
Yeah, it'll probably be tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. We might be doing the tier list tomorrow. And then I'm away on Thursday and Friday. So I want to do a phone-in show because I think it might be worth doing it at some point. But we'll try and get you as much um, notice on when we do that as possible. Maybe I'll try and give you a week's notice instead and we'll do it next week. Um, really appreciate uh, all of the time that you spent, of course, watching the show. If you could drop a like on the video, I would appreciate that. Subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with the notifications turned on so you never miss a show. I will see you in just over an hour's time on the Arsenal way. And if not, a little bit later on this afternoon, I know on Harry's channel uh, this evening. So make sure you check that one out. See you soon, guys. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.